Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the In For A Penny podcast. I'm Mark Schoffman, a freelance personal finance journalist, and I'm joined by my financial planner friend, Joshua Gersler, who runs an advisory business called The Orchard Practice. Hello. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us, you can check me out at www.cavendishcontent.com and josh at www.topfs.co.uk. Each episode, we aim to give our perspective on the world of finance and money, and discuss some of the issues that crop up in business as well as everyday life. We hope that you'll learn something from our podcast as well as have some fun too. Hello and thank you for downloading the latest In For A Penny podcast. In the week that we find out that we all could have driven 200 and whatever miles to see our um, parents if we had childcare issues. Allegedly. Josh isn't commenting on that. Maybe he also drove to Durham, stopped off in a castle. Have you ever driven to a castle to test your eyesight? Not that I recall. Um, But yeah, I'm not going to comment on the whole uh, Dominic Cummings affair. You're right. Okay. Uh, How has your week been? We're um, into week, I don't know, what is it? Eight, nine of lockdown? I'm not sure what week it is. Yeah, it's good. You know what? I am one of the people who are quite enjoying it. Good. So there are you know, some people are hating. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's uh, more time at home with the family. Yeah, it's a different pace of life. I think it's a much more chilled pace of life. It's quite nice. Obviously, I don't want it's gone forever. Yeah, but um, there's a lot of positives that I'm going to take away from this lockdown. I quite like it because I think I said before I'm pretty antisocial. So this idea of social distancing, it's just an everyday thing for me. Yeah, it's perfect for you. Yeah. But yeah, I've been doing lots of bike rides. We went. I went with my daughter to ride down a very big hill in Boreham Woods. Do you know Woodcock Hill? I don't. Know. Do you know? It's a very big hill that I'd never really heard of. And someone said, oh, you should go down on your bikes. And we went very fast. And she went flying off. Oh, great. <laughs> we probably won't do that again. That was bad advice. Yes. Yeah. But you had fun. Yeah. Good. And uh, did you enjoy the Long Bank holiday weekend? I did did we had we had a barbecue an obligatory barbecue lovely uh yeah what did you do we we had a barbecue uh as well it wasn't an obligatory one which is a normal one which was very nice um i as the sun was out i decided i might have a beer or two nice so uh yeah it was good it's good good are you hoping the football season resumes I am hoping it resumes, but I haven't actually missed it, surprisingly. For someone who loves football, yeah. again, I'm quite enjoying not having it. There's no stress. You don't have to worry about it. Um, you don't have to plan your time to be able to get to a game and watch a game. You don't yeah. have to get upset when your team loses. I'm, I'm quite happy. What about you? You missing it? I do miss it a bit, but I think I've seen some people who've been watching the German league and they say it's just rubbish watching an empty stadium. And apparently, it's what's the players, not the stadium. Well, yeah, but there's no atmosphere, so they're saying it's not really the football people probably miss. It's it's the camaraderie and travelling to the game, and yeah, having all that time to yourself. Well, we won't notice any difference. There's no atmosphere at our ground anyway. That's also true. 
I got an email from an Arsenal supporters club saying they are looking for fans to provide pictures of themselves to put on the big screen during matches if they play behind closed doors. Oh, yes. Have you done it? Not yet, but it's tempting. Would you like to see your face? No, I don't. I've heard you're a bit of an internet star at the moment, a bit of an internet sensation with your music video. Is it TikTok? Is that the one? Are you on the TikTok? Uh, we are, we don't, I don't really understand TikTok. I've tried a few TikTok. Isn't that video- what all your music videos are? They've been going on the Facebook. Ah, uh-huh, on the Facebook. And Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, a bit of a sensation I hear. A lot of followers, especially female followers for you now. Well, I'm used to the female followers. It's the male ones that are bothering me. But uh, yeah, we've been doing family music videos every week. Lovely. We're on, um, we, it'll be number 10 next week, so we might we think we may stop at a round number. So what's this week's episode about? Well, we are going to discuss, because childcare has been in the news a lot, hasn't it? Because there's talk of the schools, schools reopening from June the 1st, Dominic Cummings allegedly breaching lockdown for childcare reasons, exceptional circumstances, allegedly. So we're not going to wade into that debate. But obviously, when you, there are ways you may want to look after your children financially. So I figured in this episode, or you figured because it was your idea, let's give you the credit if it all goes wrong, that uh, we could talk about saving and investing for your children. Sounds good. But before we do that, do you know what that sound means? What sound? It's this episode's Alien Concept. Okay. Oh, we haven't done one of these for a while. We haven't done one of these for a while, so I'm going to, I've got the machine ready, but I've, there's also a little bit of bias because I kind of know what I think we should talk about, so... I've um, loaded it with the intention of already getting the answer I want, but we're still going to have the tension. You fixed you know, it. I okay. fixed it, yeah. But, so we, it's nice to have the build-up because there's not a lot of tension in our lives at the moment. So here, round and round it goes. Where it stops, we both know because we've planned this. So <laughs> on this, <laughs> this concept, we are going to talk about the difference between saving and investing. Nice. Because it's a term, even I as a journalist sometimes conflate quite... Conflate, uh, look at that. I mean, you've got to explain that as an alien concept, conflate. Com- well, confused. Is like, that like combined. deflate or inflate no, and conflate? Just, you know, used to mean the same thing. So I'll write an article and I'll say savers are missing out on returns in the stock market or savers have lost out on something or investors have lost out and you'll use it sometimes the terms are used inter- interchangeably so you'll mix them all up all these words coming out today well, i still you. want to know what the conflate means like just to combine to use at the same to use to mean the same thing yeah yeah another question you can inflate okay. something you can yeah. deflate something so what is flate can something I, just be flated no I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe hey, if Alex. anyone knows the answer. Answers on a postcard. So, yeah. so, you, so you get the, the two words conflated. <laughs> yeah. And obviously yeah. they do mean very different things because if you're saving, there tends to be an association with just putting cash away into accounts like a cash ISA or other sorts of savings accounts. But if you're investing, you're actually putting your money more at risk in the stock markets and into shares and other assets. 
I think are both uh, good explanations. Yeah, I think you've you've hit the just have a hammer on the head, hit the nail on the head. Um, it reminds me of my dad told me about some graffiti he once saw, where someone had graffitied um, "Jesus saves" on the, I can't remember what it was on, and then someone had gone and above it written or underneath it written, "But Moses invests." Which I nice. thought was quite amusing, yeah. Um, so saving, I would say, is uh, yeah. Let's use your let's use your word. It's not taking any risk. It's putting some money aside, normally in a bank, for a short term goal. That's probably how I would um, describe it. Whereas investing is putting some money aside with an element of investment risk, normally for a longer term goal. So really, we say you shouldn't invest for less than five years because of the unpredictability of the markets. Yeah. So you might save for your holiday next year for a car, for a deposit for a house in a few years' time, whereas you'd probably invest for something more long-term for your retirement, for your children's future. Um, does that make sense? So I think saving is more a short-term goal and yeah. investing is a long is, is, is there a uh, minimum amount you think people should save and the minimum they should invest? No, not really. I think you should do as much as you can and as soon as you can. But if you're only investing £10 a month, would yeah. you be better off saving? No. Yeah, and what about the other way? Thursday. What if you were in saving £1,000 a month, £2,000 a month? Because then you're going to be getting close to your ISA allowance where you could have just put some of that in an investment ISA. Depends what you're saving it for. So if you are saving £2,000 a month for a year and you only need to hit a target of £5,000, then you are saving too too much and you'd be better off investing. So I think it's in in isolation, you can't really answer it, but I think you need to look at the specifics of the circumstances. Some of the things that worry me, well, there are lots of things that worry me, but in this example is there's these saving apps now where you can spend money and it will put your spare change, it will round up your spending. Yeah, to, I've seen those. And then, yeah, and then, so there's things like Moneybox and yeah, Plum, yeah. I mean, which are good. I think they're all positive things to get people into a habit, but I think the risk is they get people too used to only putting away tiny amounts and they think, oh, well, I'm doing that, so that's enough. So you're right. Me so, people, yeah, I think you're right. I, I, firstly, I think they're great. Actually, some of these things that for people that do nothing to get them into that savings habit, they're brilliant. I think uh, I haven't used any, but I think if you'll do nothing at the moment, suddenly each time you spend ninety p, it puts ten p into a savings account. That's great. What you need then is someone to give you that nudge to take the next step and say, okay, well, look, it's easy to do that ten p a week or whatever it is. But now you need to start doing something proper so you've got enough money in the future. It's, it's, it's a good first step. Okay. Do you think the terms make sense? Same yes. Thing. Yes, as long as you don't conflate them. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they get conflated? Um, yes, I do think they are used interchangeably, incorrectly. Okay. Erroneously. Very good words today. We're all learning. Um, and, and you've got to be careful because people say to me, I want to save for my children's future. 
Hmm. Okay. So if your child is three and you want to save for them for when they're 23, well, you probably don't necessarily want to save for them. You want to invest for them. So people do get the two mixed up, but it's not the end of the world as long as you do the right thing. Yeah. But when people come to you and they say saving, is it more often than not they mean investing? Yes, you are correct. It is more often not they mean investing. So I just sort of give them a nudge in the right direction and correct that. But it's not something like I'm sort of, uh, precious about. Yeah, you know, I don't want to make people feel bad for saying it's saving or investing. Which is good to understand what the two are. Because even as you say, journalists such as you get decombobulated sometimes. <laughs> you just got a dictionary there. <laughs> actually, yeah, I should actually open up a uh, a word looking up book. Very good. What does because what save you can understand because um, to know it's got connotations of um, cautious and careful. That's what it yeah. sort of applies to me. It's yeah. like being safe and save and you're yeah yeah saving. But invest. What like what can you relate that word to? Um, it could be what you wear sometimes under your shirt. So I'm invest. Yeah, I'm, I'm invest. I'm invest. <laughs> so I'm going to try and look up the um, word, origin of the word to see. Let's see. Because we're all about words today. We're going to get a lot of our uh, older listeners coming in to correct us, aren't we, with our grammar today yeah. and our vocabulary? Obviously. The countdown mob. Well, apparently in, in um, Latin, invest did mean to clothe in the official robes of an office. So. There you are. That's from medieval Latin, yeah. So I don't know how that has then come across to mean putting your money at risk in the stock markets. Um, I mean, a professional journalist would have researched this in advance of a podcast. Yeah, you're right. We'll have to get one of those. (laughs) Yeah. They'd also get paid. Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, well, if anyone knows the origins, keep it to yourself or let us know. And that's this week's Alien Concept. And that was this week's Alien Concept. <laughs> and a neat a segue into that, we're going to talk today about um, investing, saving and investing for your children. So the first step when you want to save and invest is to have a child. Do you want to talk about making a baby? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not want to talk about because my parents sometimes listen to this podcast. You talk about okay. that. We have um, been having a few discussions because uh, there's a Disney film, no, or a, I can't remember, there's a film called Storks that our girls want to watch. And it's where the stork comes and delivers the baby. And we're not sure if our kids still think that's how, how they're made. Where they just, the stork flies through the window and drops the baby off. That's we've had birds. Easy. Yeah. We've had birds in the house before. And, and the girls yeah, have never that's usually when your wife is out, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, flying birds. Yeah. Oh, okay. Never dropped a baby off. Anyway, so what? Um, so there's a few ways, aren't there? What? What? What well, are the key things? Ways, yeah, because yeah, you know how, how long? What? Yeah, how? When should you start? Where do you start? So the first thing I would say is because a lot of people say I want to put some money away for my children's future. I think the first thing you've got to do is make sure your own future is comfortable. Mm. So don't start putting away money for other people, which is at the expense of yourself. 
And I don't mean that in a mean way because we all want to do the better, do our best for our kids, but not at to your own detriment. Okay, so we're going to make sure we've got all the building blocks in place for your own future. So whether that's your debts cleared, your own ices, your own pensions, and then we can start thinking about putting money away for your kids. Does that bit make sense? But what if you've got nothing left after that? Well, then you, then you shouldn't be putting money away for your kids. I don't know if you'd feel guilty, though, wouldn't you? you think, oh, I'm doing all this for myself. Well, I think they're going to feel guilty if you get to retirement age and you've got to live on the streets because you've given all your money to them. Okay. Yeah, you've got to talk because this is an audible podcast. I can see you nodding on the camera. Yeah. But people well, don't. Just, no, that's just <laughs> a signal to carry on. But yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> so you're taken care of. Let's, let's assume that. So then you've got to start thinking about your kids. So what is your goal? So if you have two daughters such as yourself I do what are I know that's what I'm saying <laughs> what do you well, want to I, put money I, away for I could for? have nodded there I would have been told off I want to put money away for um, my daughter's um, bat mitzvahs so coming yeah. of age in the Jewish faith and then so that's um, age 12 isn't it age 12 for a girl and yeah then, but I also want to put money away uh, if they want to go to university yeah so that'll be like six years later yeah. So from age 18 and then you know if one of them wants to get married maybe depending how much money's left and might you know they might need help with a deposit getting a car but i'm also a believer that they should fend for themselves not from age seven but maybe from age <laughs> nine so you want to so you want to pay for their bat mitzvahs you want yeah. to pay for university Help um, pay for university. I think yeah, they would have okay. to get a job during university. Okay, so help with that. Help with a wedding, help with a house, and whatever else you can help with. Is that is that correct? Yeah. So not, some reason. of our listeners might not know that we have two of my kids are the same age as two of your daughters. I've got two sons yeah. the same age as your daughters. Yeah. And that they're friendly and that they sometimes talk about getting married. Yeah, that's why I said help with the wedding. And I just want to point out here that I believe in the traditional model that the bride's family should pay for weddings. So I've got that on record. <laughs> so it's not going in my plan, these weddings. It's just going to be in your plan. Right. So we've got goals. So that's important. We've got things that we actually want to think about. So when you know what you want to help with, it can, we can then work out how much money you should be putting aside. Because okay. one way to look at it is to say, right, I want to put away £10 a month or £100 a month or £1,000 a month, whatever it is for my kids. But when we have specific goals, we can then add um, values to those goals. So you could say a bat mitzvah is going to cost you, whether that is £500 or £5,000, you, you can calculate that. And then we can calculate how much money we should be putting aside for that, as well as university, weddings and all the other bits and pieces. So you've, you've worked that out. Then I think the next thing is to think about where's the best place to put the money. And the first thing you could, you could think of is a savings account, okay, like a bank account. That would be the bottom of my list, but the first thing you might think of. So there are often um, rates, special rates available for children's savings accounts. So whereas for an adult, you might get offered 0.1% at the moment for a child you might get offered 3% okay, okay. Um, thank you for nodding and saying that 
you've then but I'd, I'd probably say saving like we said before is not the place to be because that's for short-term things so the next thing you'd probably look at is a junior isa okay. oh. so you've got your normal isas which we have, we have our adult isas someone under 18 can have a junior isa so very similar should we talk about some of the um features of a, a junior isa and the pros and cons of them do you want to say what an isa is it's an individual savings account and what happens what's the difference between that and a normal savings account it is tax efficient in that there is no income tax on income generated within the isa and there is no capital gains tax on any profits generated within the isa and that's also confusing isn't it because that has the word savings in it but you can use that for investing. Yeah, you're right. Good shout. Thank you. So it's not all my fault. Not all, not all conflated. Yeah. So what? Yeah, we we're going to talk about what the features of an ISA. Yeah. So so the tax efficiency is is one of them. So the parent or the guardian can open the ISA for the child. Yeah. Um, we've spoken about the tax efficiency there's a limit on how much you can pay into an ISA which just went up I say just went up went up at the beginning of this tax year 2021 Mark the yeah. junior ISA annual allowance has gone up to 9,000 and something 9,000 and three 9,300 <laughs> 9,000 tell me it's 9,000 isn't it do you want to quickly google that one the professional Chartered financial planner would have prepared this number in advance, but I think it's nine thousand. Nine thousand. That's good. So there you go. Um, and that's on top. That's on top of the twenty thousand allowance that adults have. Correct. So in theory, you and Mrs. Shoffman could put twenty thousand each into your own ISIS, and then nine thousand each into your daughters. So that would be fifty-eight thousand pounds in ISIS. Do you remember child trust funds? Like it was yesterday. So child trust funds can be converted to junior ISAs. So the child trust fund stopped, basically. I say it stopped. They stopped sort of creating new ones. And the money in them can now be transferred into junior ISAs. So that's a good feature to have. Uh, the money is locked away until the child is 18. Yeah. And this is probably the biggest risk of a junior ISA in that when they get to age 18, the children in theory have access to it because it's converted into an adult ISA. Okay, so they could just spend it on one pound shots during freshers week. They could do. That is a risk. So you've got to think, whilst you may have a lovely, cuddly, cute child now, if they're going through some sort of difficult stage when they get to 18, they could blow all the money. So you've got to be careful there. Um, well, hopefully their parents will bring them up right. Yeah, exactly. You, you would hope that, but you never know. You never know how your kids are going to turn out so it's just something to bear in mind that they got the access at age 18 um what else we're going to tell you about isis the child although it's in their name the child isn't responsible for making decisions whilst they're under 18 so it's you as the parent that would make the decisions about it so you're still in control you don't have to put money in every year so you could do you could put nine thousand pounds in this year and nothing ever again you can make ad hoc contributions or you could set up a regular monthly contribution, which is probably the best way to, to do that. Can, is it only parents who can contribute? No, anyone can put money. 
into a junior officer. But the parent has to open it. The parent, the guardian, I think the grandparents, well, no, it's parent or guardian, really. Okay. Okay. Um, there's no penalties or restrictions on accessing the money once they're 18. So they can't take it out before 18, but once they turn 18, they can take it out. There's no tax implications. It's their money to do as they wish and hopefully make a sensible financial decision with it. The next thing you might think of is a junior pension, a junior retirement account. Is that like a really small old person? Like Benjamin Button? Yeah. It's not. It's just a pension for an under 18. And some people love them, some people hate them. So let's talk about some of the features and the, the pros and cons. So the amount you can put in each year is less than a junior ISA. So we said you could put 9,000 in the junior ISA. You can put 3,600 pounds gross into a junior pension. So without, so let's get rid of the jargon. but let's get rid of the word gross. You can put 3,600 in total into the, junior pension so what that means is you as the parent you pay in 2880 pounds that's 2880 into the pension and the government top that up they give you tax relief on that and they top that up to 3600 that's generous of them yeah it is because they want to encourage people to save for retirement or invest for retirement i've got all conflated there all there yes um so one of the good things is that tax relief, you get that 20% tax relief. You've then got the same tax advantages within the pension as you have with the ISA. That being there is no income tax on the income it generates and there's no capital gains tax on any profits it generates. Okay. A disadvantage of the pension compared to the ISA is you can only access it, and this is in today's rules, when you get to age 55. The child can only access it. Correct. So this is a really long-term investment. Forget mm. the sort of 10, 18 years of an ISA. This is potentially a 50-year investment. So it really should only be if you don't want to give your kids money until they are at retirement age. And that's quite a tricky one because, A, you may not be around at that point. But are you potentially going to be locking away thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds into this pension that they could do with that money earlier in life but can't get it until 55 plus? Yeah. Yep, so something you've got to think about. When you want to take the money out of the pension, you've got the same rules as a, an adult pension because it converts to an adult pension at 18. And that is 25% of the pension can be taken out tax-free. And the remaining 75% you take out is treated as your income and therefore it's taxable. Okay, so accessing the money isn't as efficient as an ISA. I've got a little stat here that I uh, was doing a bit of research because some of us like to come prepared to, uh, to podcast. And that is if you put, this is from Fidelity, and they did a calculation to say if you put 2,800 and... <laughs> If you put £2,880 into a junior pension 
when they're born, so at birth, you get the £720 tax relief from the government to take it up to the 3600 At age 65, that would be worth £117,000. Okay, they've used a growth rate of 5.5% there, which is, isn't unreasonable. It's higher than I would use, but it's not unreasonable. So that's not bad, is it? You put away 2880 65 years later, it's worth 117000 It's not bad, but then they've missed all the milestones that they may have needed the money for, Most of, a lot of the milestones. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So I don't think I would do a junior pension if I was you as your starting point. But if you've maxed out the ISAs or you specifically only want your children to have this money at retirement, then I'd look at the, the junior pension. We did a blog um, last month on is it a good time to invest for your, for your children? And we got a stat there. Oh, stats, not right, but a calculation. If you put away £9,000 every year for 18 years, so that's the junior ISA, £9,000, mm. you should have a pot of £258,495 at age 18. So do, you know, do you know anyone who has a spare £9,000 to put away on top of all their other savings? That's Because I always see yeah. these allowances are all well and good, but who do you, who, how often is it that someone will come to you and say, I've got my full ISA allowance I want to use and my full JISA, Julia ISA allowance? I won't give you the names of my clients for data protection reasons that, that do that. But yeah, remember, everyone's circumstances are different. Yeah. So some people are just sort of living hand to mouth and struggling. And you've got other people who are flush with money. So everyone's, everyone's circumstances are different and people do. I just think if, I don't know, there's all, you often see these surveys of how to become an ISA millionaire. And it, I think the starting point often is be a millionaire. <laughs> Millionaire, yeah, fair <laughs> enough. No, it's well, the, those ISA millionaires one, it's a, a different conversation, but that is maxing it out every year and, and hopefully investing in the right the right places. That's a long, that's a long term game, yeah. But no, it, it is, uh, it's not unusual for people to, to have that money to put away for their kids. That's not the majority of the population, the majority of the population don't have 20,000 pounds for their, them and their spouses, oysters and £9,000 for their kids. You're right, but there are plenty of people that do. Okay. So if we, if we take it full circle and we go back to the beginning, so it's if you're putting money away for your kids for the long term, you should invest it rather than save it. Okay, and I'm sure we've got the usual caveats somewhere in this podcast about this isn't advice tailored to you specifically. You need to ask if you want that um invest rather than save have a specific goal in mind try and take uh, make use of the tax allowances so ices and, and things like that um and then what i'd probably add into it is well when your money's in these ices all these pensions where should you put it because it's all very well saying put it in a pension ISA. you need to invest it within that and a well got i'd say a diversified portfolio of equities globally diversified portfolio of equities is a good starting point for anyone so is that funds a, a fund yeah funds that invest in equities across the world equities being 
share. So owning the great businesses of this world. So is that something you could do yourself or you think an advisor would be better? They remind um, you are an advisor. Oh, thank you for reminding me. I would, I'm all for people doing things themselves. If they can do it themselves, do it yourselves. Remember, it's not just picking the investment is not the key thing. It's, it's all the other things. It's that big picture, having the plan, knowing how much to put away, having the goal where you probably need your advisor. There's nothing to stop you going online and clicking and saying, right, which fund shall I put my money in and just seeing what happens. Remember, it's not advice usually online. It's, it's just uh, information. Interesting. What about premium bonds? Premium bonds are not an investment. They're not really a savings account either. They are a gamble. Okay, so your capital is protected. So if you put 50,000, I think it's the allowance at the moment, 50,000 into premium bonds, your capital is protected by the government, but there's no guaranteed return. So they say there's an interest rate of approximately 1%, but what happens is each month you get entered into a, a prize draw. So Ernie is the, uh, the draw each month and if you are lucky you get some money if not you don't they're very popular with the older generation Mm. because they were heavily uh promoted back in the day but they are there's no potential for your capital to grow so your fifty thousand can never grow it's always going to be fifty thousand you've got no guaranteed returns and if you you can win a million pounds but it's like buying a lottery ticket yeah so i think i think you're better off um actually investing the money how much of your planning when you're saving and investing for children should you take account of an inheritance in what way give me a bit more detail so say if you a parent was planning for their children's finances but knew that their parents so the child's grandparent was likely was old so was likely to pass away so there could be a property coming their way or could be family money yeah that comes to them and then could be passed to a child okay should should that be part of it i would always say try and ignore any potential inheritances from your financial planning because you never know if they're going to materialize so you could be in a position where the uh I say elderly person because we, we, it sounds like we're talking about grandparents here. So you could be in a position where the elderly person is unwell and therefore they need to spend the money on care. So the money that was going to be passed to you or your children has now been spent on care. Or they could live for 30 years longer than anticipated and therefore they either have to spend it on themselves or the goal that you were planning for is long gone. So I would try and ignore potential inheritances and if they come in, that's a, that's a Brucey bonus. Hmm. Yeah, that, okay. that can then just top up or replace what you were doing and use the funds for something else. So don't murder your grandparents. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that goes without saying, Mark. Yeah. Good. Good advice. Not advice, guidance. Good guidance. Oh, you're getting conflated. <laughs> <laughs> Please remember, anything discussed in this programme should not be viewed as financial advice. But if you do need support, please contact me at mark, M-A-R-C, at cavendishcontent.com or visit the Orchard Practice website at www.topfs.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter at InforAPennyPod1, at Mark Schoffman and at Josh Gersler. 
If you'd like to leave us feedback, there's a link in the show notes telling you how to do that. We really appreciate any comments you provide. And do post any financial issues you'd like us to cover. Thank you for being in for a penny. <laughs>